There's something interesting that happens when we continue to think about the Word of God and you meditate on what God has done for you in Christ and what is to come because you understand that this isn't the end of the story. But it's reminding us of this truth over and over again. That's what encourages us. That's what strengthens us. Welcome to The Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Fox Den. In this episode, I want to do something just a little different. I want to give you several passages to meditate on. Now, keep in mind by meditate, I don't mean anything mystic about it. I don't mean emptying your brain or focusing on your breathing. What I mean by meditate is to take these verses and to think about them throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. And you just continue to ponder on these verses and what they mean. Meditating on scripture is biblical. For example, the writer of Psalms 1 says that he meditates on the law of God day and night. And that simply means that he's continuing to think about it throughout the day. There's something interesting that happens when we continue to think about the Word of God. And this is what God intended. For example, when you get discouraged about the events of your life, and you meditate on what God has done for you in Christ, and what is to come, that should at least bring a little bit of hope. Because you understand that this isn't the end of the story. For those of us in Christ, this is the worst that it gets. When we die, we enter into eternal glory with God where there is no sin, suffering, or death. But it's reminding us of this truth over and over again. That's what encourages us. That's what strengthens us. So in this episode, I want to give you several verses to meditate on. And I'm calling it 11 plus because Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10, there's actually two sections in there that I'm going to focus on separately. But to begin with, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And this is what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, taking that verse on its own apparently means nothing. So we have to put it within its context. And in this verse, God is talking to the serpent, who is Satan, and he's cursing him. So what Satan had done is tempted Eve to eat the forbidden fruit she ate and gave to Adam, and he ate, and that's the fall of mankind. But it's the serpent who tempted Eve to eat. And so in Genesis 3.15, God is cursing the serpent. Now again, this may not seem very clear at this point, but look at what he says next. He, singular, shall bruise your head. Who's he talking about? Well, this is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, but this is really the first mention of Christ and what he's going to do. Christ's death and resurrection is going to defeat Satan. So Genesis 3.15 is known as the Proto-Evangelion, the first mention of the gospel. And God is promising Satan that he is going to defeat him. And he's going to do so through the offspring of the woman. And those in Christ, the offspring of the woman, will be rescued. So I think this is an important passage for you to meditate on because it's God promising that Satan's going to lose. Next, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. And there it says, And I will give you a new heart, 
and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he would have done his ministry hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But in this passage, God is telling us what he is going to do through Ezekiel. And what we see here is that salvation is a work of God. It's God himself who will give us a new heart. It is God himself who would put a new spirit within us. It's God himself who's going to remove from us a heart of stone, meaning a heart that is unresponsive to him, and a heart that is responsive to him. And then notice what he says in verse 27. He's going to put his spirit within us and cause us to walk in his statutes and be careful to obey his rules. You see, salvation is a work of God. And it's God himself who takes a spiritually dead person and makes them spiritually alive by the power of his Holy Spirit. But then God also causes us to be obedient. But we have to remember, God gets the credit for our obedience and we take credit for our sin. We'll never be able to obey God perfectly on this side of the grave. But the Spirit is working in us to love God, believe God, and obey God. And fortunately, we are in Christ so that our sins are forgiven. And when we do sin, God doesn't hold them against us. So I think this is an important verse to meditate on because it reminds us of what God is doing in us. It's God who rescues us. It's God who does all the work in salvation, and it's God who moves in us to love him and obey him. The next passage is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and there it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So this is Jesus himself speaking, and he's really talking to those who are struggling to appease God by their efforts, and he's inviting them to come to him, and he will give them rest. Now, rest here doesn't mean sleep. If we look back in Genesis chapter 1, where God created all things in six days, what did he do on the seventh? He rested. Does that mean that God needs sleep because he was tired? No. It means he stopped working. So here, Jesus is inviting us to come to him, and we will find rest because he has done all the work for us. We no longer have to strive to be righteous in the eyes of God. Because we are considered righteous by our union with Christ by faith. Now, don't misunderstand me here. This isn't permission to go live a sinful life because we're forgiven and we have rest in Christ. No, we do good works because we love God, not to earn salvation. We do good works to respond to God in gratitude because of what he has done for us and the grace that he's extended to us. We don't do it to be saved. So here, Jesus is inviting you to come to him, and he will give you rest. The next verse is John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. And it says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, I think this is a really important verse for us to meditate on because it reminds us what is coming resurrection. We are all going to rise from the dead, and those of us in Christ will rise from the dead in bodies that cannot sin, suffer, or die. And we will enjoy eternity with God in glory. So I think this is an important passage for us to meditate on 
because it reminds us of what is coming, resurrection. Now let's look at John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. And there it says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one will snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now, this is Jesus himself speaking. And notice what he's saying here, that he gives them eternal life. Well, who, who's the them? Well, it's the ones that the Father gave to him. And those are the ones whom Jesus came to save. And Jesus gives them eternal life, and they're never going to perish. But this is really what I want you to focus on. He says that no one will snatch them out of his hand. That means that he has us in his grip, and no one can release us from that grip. Now, I've heard a lot of people say something like, well, I know that you can't remove me from his grip, but I can. I can remove myself from his grip. But it says no one will snatch them out of his hand, and that would have to include you. If God sent Jesus to save you, Jesus can't fail. And do you really think he's going to let you pry yourself out of his grip? But look at what he says in verse 29. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Do you realize if you are in Christ, you're doubly protected, and no one can snatch you out of Jesus' hand, and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand? So I think this is an important passage for us to meditate on, because it reminds us that we are secure. Now let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Romans was a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the Christians in Rome. And in verse 15, he says that he wants to preach the gospel to them. And then we see verse 16, he says that he is not ashamed of the gospel. And do you see why? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. You don't save yourself by doing good works. And you're not saved because you have cognitively come to the point that you see who Jesus is or that you have received him in your heart. The good news of Christ is the power to save those who believe. Now, keep in mind, the the gospel doesn't save everybody. The gospel saves those who believe. Now, keep in mind what Paul said in verse 15 is that he wanted to preach the gospel to Christians. Isn't that interesting? Most of us think that we don't need to hear the gospel because we're already believers. But what Paul is saying is that he wants to preach the gospel to believers because the gospel is the power of God to save believers. It doesn't save everybody. But that's not because the gospel is not powerful. It goes back to those whom Jesus came to save. Remember what Jesus said in John 10? Jesus gives eternal life to those whom the Father gave him. So I think this is an important verse for us to meditate on because it reminds us that it's the gospel, the good news of Christ, that is the power of God to save. And what this means is that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, and as we hear the gospel, we believe. Remember, it's God himself who does all the work of salvation. Now for our next passage, let's move a couple of chapters in Romans to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And there it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So notice here 
that Paul notes that we have been justified by faith. And notice that this is a passive verb. We haven't justified ourselves, we have been justified, meaning we are now right with God. And were we justified because we did good works? No, we're justified by faith. And because of that, Paul says that we have peace with God through Christ. And that peace there doesn't mean a gentle calm. That peace means we're no longer at war with him. And then look at what he says in verse 2. We have obtained access into this grace, and we've obtained it by faith. Now again, don't think that this is something that you've done on your own. We're going to see here in a minute that faith itself is a gift from God, and it's the Holy Spirit that works that faith in us. You see, we get no credit for our salvation. Now let's move a couple more chapters over to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And there it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1? We have peace with God. And because we have peace with God through what Christ has done for us, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ, they're condemned. In Christ, there is no condemnation. So we don't have to fear judgment because Christ himself took that judgment for us. So again, I think this is a really important verse for us to focus on and meditate on because it reminds us that there is no condemnation for us in Christ. We are secure in him. Now let's go a few verses down to Romans chapter 8 verses 33 and 34. And there it says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? There's a ton packed in these two verses. And the first is that it is God himself who justifies. We don't justify ourselves. And then second, there's no one to condemn because Christ died for us. And not only that, he was raised for us. And where is he at right now? He's at the right hand of God the Father, and that is a place of honor. And what's he doing there? He's interceding for us. That means he is defending you. He is praying for you. At the right hand of the Father, at the place of honor. Now, don't think that God is, he really wants to smack you down, but Jesus is preventing him from doing that. Remember, those of us in Christ were given to Jesus to save by the Father. God has no intention of wiping you out because you're in Christ and he sent Christ to save you. And Jesus is at the right hand of God continuing to defend us and intercede for us and pray for us. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. And there it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, 
it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this is kind of three in one. So I would encourage you to memorize these 10 verses or at least have a really good understanding of them. But I really want to focus on two different sections in this passage. And the first is verses 4 to 7. And I want you to notice three things, really in verses 4 to 6. First, that God made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. And he seated us with him in the heavenly places. So you were spiritually dead, but God made you alive. And that's the point that Paul was getting at in in verse 1. God made you alive with Christ. You were spiritually dead, but he made you alive together with Christ. And he raised you with Christ. He raised you from the dead, and he's going to raise you physically from the dead somewhere down the road. But notice that your citizenship is in heaven. He seated you with Christ in the heavenly places. And notice all of these are past tense. He made you alive with Christ. He raised you with Christ. He seated you with Christ in the heavenly places. That's already happened for those of you who are believers. And then I want to look at verses 8 and 9. And there we see that we're saved by grace alone. And we're saved by grace through faith. But notice what Paul says. This isn't your own doing. It's a gift from God. The whole work of salvation is a gift of God, including your faith. And then look at what he says in verse 9. It's not a result of your works. And God did this so that you cannot boast about your salvation. You see, at the end of the day, we have to say, God did it all. So there's really kind of three passages here that I would encourage you to meditate on. Verses 1 through 10, and then mainly verses 4 through 6, and verses 8 and 9. And then finally, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. There it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The main thing I want you to see in verse 9 is that God called us out of darkness into his light. Again, salvation is the work of God. It's God himself who called us out. It's God himself who did all of the work. And then notice verse 10. Once you were a nobody, but now you're God's people. At one time you had no mercy, but now God has extended his mercy to you. Now there's no limit on the amount of verses that you could meditate on to encourage you and strengthen your faith. But I think these are some very key verses that you should meditate on. And I've given you some reasons why. So I encourage you as you go about your day, your week, your month, your year, that you take time to read these verses and think about them over and over and over. And let the Holy Spirit minister to your soul. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.